You are listening to the Wellness and Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Sonna Luberoy. Episode 27, The Four Types of Wellness Leaders in Hospitality. Welcome to the Wellness and Hospitality Podcast, where it's all about genuine wellness, true hospitality, and real people. I'm your host, global wellness expert, life coach, and author, Sonna Luberoy. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today, I'd like to talk about the four types of wellness leaders in hospitality and how these different leadership mindsets create very different results. Now, those of you who have followed me on LinkedIn, in my previous episodes here in the podcast or my YouTube channel, you will know that I've talked about the four types of wellness offerings. I've also talked about different ways we could do wellness in our hotel and which is the best one for the particular property we are working in. I've also talked about the wellness value iceberg and where most of us wellness leaders sometimes get tripped. And I think equally important is to know the different types of wellness leaders and where you actually are within what I call the leadership pyramid. And the reason it is important, and this is something I have studied and I've also evaluated myself and I have actually been one of those leaders at a given moment of time during my entire wellness career now spanning 22 years. And many times as wellness leaders, we feel that we are that neglected department, that we are that unwanted child. And when we actually believe and think that, the problem is we show up in a very different way that is incredibly disempowering. And what that does is only further perpetuate that us wellness leaders are not as strong as other wellness leaders, for as other leaders Directors of food and beverage, directors of finance, people in culture, etc. And what I'd want to offer today is that we actually have far more power than any other leader in the hospitality industry. And I genuinely believe that. And when I've noticed a change in myself, when I've actually shifted my mindset from thinking that I'm the bit player or I manage the bit player to actually thinking, I'm the cat's meow or the dog's bollocks. Things have definitely changed. And the way wellness is looked at at each in each of these hotels has also shifted. So like always, today I have a presentation prepared for you where I'll be going over the four types of wellness leaders and that leadership pyramid that I have been referring to. Okay, so without further ado, here is my presentation for you today, the four types of wellness leaders. When it comes to creating wellness assets, I've observed that there are really four levels that we'll see wellness leaders operating at. And across these four levels, there are three critical outcomes, the very same components that comprise a wellness asset that seem to separate these different levels of the pyramid. The first outcome, proud people. The second, transformative experiences. And the third, 
stellar performance. So let's take a look at these levels. Sadly, there are too many wellness leaders stuck at this lowest level, the red zone, if you like. And at this level, we tend to see that when it comes to their teams, these leaders find themselves completely ill-equipped to meet the well-being needs and goals of a diverse and multi-generational team. When it comes to their guests, they deliver deeply disappointing experiences because they aren't equipped with the right resources. And finally, when it comes to performance, it is no wonder that the wellness department is bleeding money. Now, you could think of the red zone as the traditionist zone. This most probably isn't the zone where you are in, but we can imagine how being in the traditionist zone might feel. The thing is, being stuck at this level is sometimes not their fault. Wellness leaders in this zone find themselves trapped below the fear and ignorance line. It is like the system is working against them. And what keeps these wellness leaders down here is the limiting thought that wellness is an amenity. These wellness leaders buy into the myth they've been sold that spa and wellness in hotels is the most neglected department. And they buy into this myth through no fault of their own. It is actually the entire way spa and wellness has been treated in hotels that further perpetuates their belief that wellness is the most neglected department of a hotel. But if you challenge that myth and recognize the truth that wellness is actually what sells the hotel, you almost immediately jump into the next zone, that of the follower. In this next level, we see when it comes to their people, that although these follower leaders aren't completely ill-equipped as the traditionists, the followers feel like they have this uphill struggle to attract and retain the right team. When it comes to their guests, although they don't deliver deeply disappointing wellness experiences, the experiences tend to be fragmented. And some reasons why this might be the case is that they have subcontracted parts of their wellness offering to a third-party operator, and they don't have control over the entire wellness experience of their guest. And finally, when it comes to performance, though they aren't hemorrhaging, followers are essentially barely breaking even. This is why I think of this level as being of a follower. The follower means that people in this zone tend to be at the mercy of the market. They're sensitive to the shifts and tilts of market changes, and rarely do they exert any control on their business. Now, the key to move through this follower level to the next level up is to shift your thinking from wellness being a necessity to it being an opportunity. So, to get into this light green level of innovator and keep moving through it, 
you need to view wellness as a great opportunity to tap into today's more wellness conscious traveler. So in this innovator level, you'll often see that when it comes to their people, although these innovators perhaps have a good and recognized wellness offering, as well as a hotel and employer brand, they're still barely managing to attract and retain talent. They find themselves stuck in the midst of the talent war to find and retain people. When it comes to their guests, although the innovators deliver experiences to high standards, the likes of Forbes and LQA, these experiences in the eyes of their guests are only acceptable vanilla. Essentially, What they really offer in terms of spa and wellness experiences isn't wildly different from the luxury hotel spa and wellness offering next door. They have few top brands, very good treatments, facilities and professionals, but they are all what the guest essentially expects from a top hotel spa and wellness facility. And when it comes to performance, Although the innovators perhaps have spas that are performing strongly, partly due to a very captive audience, perhaps a good local gym membership and an average treatment rate that is less than half of the average daily rate of the hotel. At the end of the day, these innovators only have hopeful ROI, return on investment. They still only don't go above the 3% of total hotel revenue in terms of direct revenue from their wellness offering, even if the spa and wellness PNL is generating a few million dollars a year in total revenue. But in general, being in the innovator zone actually feels pretty good. You have a GM who loves your work, who loves wellness. He or she has given you, even given you a seat at the big table and occasionally lets you have a voice. You're achieving and in some cases even smashing budget. You might even be that top revenue generating spa and wellness department in your entire hotel chain. The thing is though, a funny thing happens when I work with wellness leaders and hotels at this level. These wellness leaders hit what I call the good enough line. On the good enough line, it's easy to buy into the complacency trap, that trap of we're doing excellent and excellent is good enough. They buy into the myth that true wellness is the key to success. They offer an excellent wellness offering, the latest in everything, all done to very high standards, and they believe that that is the ultimate destination. The truth is that good enough traps you. Good enough is not future-proof. Now, what if Steve Jobs and Apple had created the iPod and then said, well, what we've created is excellent and that's good enough. Another company would have created the iPhone and iPad and Apple would not have become one of the greatest companies in the world. Now, let's think about it another way. What if you were buying a product or service and the company selling to you said, We're going to try to do an excellent job, and that is good enough. How would you feel about that? You'd think, I'd better hope you do an excellent job. That is the bare minimum I expect if I spend top dollar for it. Once you understand that what ultimately matters 
is meaningful connections, everything changes for you and you move into the dark green zone of visionary. In this dark green level, the game is entirely different. Here we see that when it comes to their people, these visionary leaders have unwavering confidence in the ability to not only meet, but to exceed the well-being needs and goals of the diverse and multi-generational team. And when it comes to their guests' moments of truth, the visionaries create experiences that are truly cherishable and as a result, have a loyal and committed customer base that raves about their wellness experience. And because they want to, and not because you have asked the people you knew had a good experience in the hotel to fill out the guest satisfaction form. And lastly, when it comes to performance, their wellness business experiences exponential growth. The wellness leaders at this level never settle. To keep moving through this level and push up to an entirely new paradigm, you need to view wellness as a legacy. Now, just imagine how it would feel being in this dark green visionary zone, making your genuine lasting impact. So as you look through these four levels and think about where you are right now, and what it would be like to move into the visionary zone, let's explore exactly what that might look like. Now, remember the value iceberg I talked about a few weeks ago? I talked about it in more detail, and I mentioned how most of us wellness leaders spend our time at the tip of the iceberg, the part that is visible, our spa and wellness offering. We end up focusing on the tools, that is all the elements we want to add to our wellness offering, treatments, services, brands, spa, equipment and gym equipment, in-room wellness amenities, mind and body services, visiting practitioners and so on. This is what leaders in the red and amber zones focus on, the traditionists and the followers. However, when we focus on the tools, what happens is that we only touch a tiny part of the surface and we are inadvertently making ourselves vulnerable to the tilts and shifts of the market. It's at the tip of the iceberg that we get hit the hardest by the winds and other stormy conditions. And when we extrapolate that concept to our daily operations, this is where we are hit by our general manager, our directors of finance and sales and marketing to increase revenue, to take up promotion after promotion and to cut back on expenses. But when we start focusing on goals, that is well-being, when we start to think about what kinds of well-being problems we are solving, those connections that we want to make, we start to tap into the majesty of wellness, the true potential. We start to go below the surface. We start focusing on the three outcomes a wellness asset has. That is proud people, transformative experiences, and stellar performance. And this is where the innovators in the light green zone find themselves. 
immediately below the surface of the tip of the iceberg. But when you get to the base of the iceberg, where you are playing a whole different ball game, this is where you are finally calling the shots and making the impact you want with wellness. You finally are the visionary looking at the legacy your wellness asset can leave behind. And how do you create that wellness asset? Through my seven-step framework, my proven essence model that takes you through each of the seven key stages that take you from whatever level you might be right now, traditionalist, follower, or innovator, to the dark green visionary zone, to the base of the iceberg. It is where you make your impact, your legacy. And that is actually what moves the base of the value iceberg of wellness. If you haven't already taken the Essence Scorecard, head over to spa-balance.com forward slash essence-scorecard. That is spa-balance.com forward slash essence-scorecard. And take this wellness business self-audit. It is completely free and it only takes five minutes. Now, I can't stress how important it is to take an accurate temperature reading of where your wellness business is today and what kind of wellness offering you have and what kind of leadership approach you are taking towards your wellness business. Make sure you take this scorecard and get your accurate temperature reading. And on that note, I wish you all a gorgeous day ahead. Take care. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. If you want to know whether your hotel is ready to meet the growing demand for wellness experiences, both for your guests and your employees, then my Essence Scorecard is the perfect tool for you. Head over to spa-balance.com forward slash essence scorecard and get yourself a free and accurate temperature reading of your hotel's readiness to meet the wellness needs of your people and your guests. It's a valuable self-audit that not only helps you create a profitable wellness asset, but also promote a culture of genuine wellness for your team.